This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State Athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with the managing editor of our Northwestern sister site, Inside NU, Daniel Olinger. In our conversation, we discuss what propelled the Wildcats to be this year's Big Ten West champions, how quarterback Peyton Ramsey and his wide receivers might attack OSU's secondary, the always stout Pat Fitzgerald defense, and what type of game plan NU might bring into the Big Ten championship game this Saturday. All right, with all of that now out of the way, here's my conversation with Daniel Olinger. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. It is a big week for both Ohio State and Northwestern as they prepare for the 2020 Big Ten Championship game. This has been such a weird season. It is hard for me, at least, to get like super excited for a game, knowing that at any point over the next four or five days, it could be canceled. Northwestern, though, has been pretty lucky. Other than the Minnesota game, they have gotten the opportunity to play all of their scheduled games this season. What has this season felt like from just the pandemic playing games point of view from from the Northwestern perspective? Has it felt like a normal season or has it felt a little odd and wonky like I feel most of college football has? Well, it's I mean, you point out there again first. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. But um, yeah, it's obviously a weird season just with everything that's happening. But the whole one of the whole stories for Northwestern has been how well they've handled uh, this whole COVID situation as a football team, zero positive cases to this point. Uh, you know, we don't get a ton of details about that stuff, but generally Pat, like coach Pat Fitzgerald just told everyone that they've done a really good job staying disciplined. And that one, one thing I've kind of thought this whole time is that after how bad last year went for Northwestern's football team this year, having such an improved season, it probably increases the motivation they have. Like Northwestern was very, you can tell just from, listening at Pat Fitzgerald last year and how we talked this off season that they were very upset with how they performed last year and that mm -hmm. they were coming into this season determined to get back, right back to where they were in 2018, which is competing with Ohio state in the big 10 championship. And lo and behold, they've done it. So it, it's kind of been like a, you know how Michigan claimed they were on a revenge tour all those years ago. <laughs> yeah. 2018. It wasn't yeah, necessarily yeah. a revenge tour, but like a, maybe a reminder tour that North last 2019 was not the, 
who Northwestern is under yeah. Pat Fitzgerald. It was more just a blip. Yeah, or redemption tour kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's gone well for Northwestern so far. They are 6-1, and one, ranked 15th in the country. And I feel like for all of the positive talk that Indiana has gotten on the east side of the Big Ten Conference, Northwestern hasn't gotten nearly as much uh, praise on the west side. And some of that might have been derailed because they lost to Michigan State. But Northwestern is still doing a great job, uh, especially on defense. They have like, they're giving up the second fewest points per game in the country. Um, and they've done it in a way that is very traditional for a Pat Fitzgerald defense. And I want to get to the defense here in a second. But this past weekend, they played, uh, I guess, in-state rival. Do you consider Illinois a rival? Um, it is, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a rival, but Northwestern fans, like there's a reason a lot of them were hoping Lovey Smith kept his job. Yeah. Same, some, same with Ohio State enjoyed, and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Yeah. They've enjoyed the amount of success Northwestern has had over Illinois the past decade, which is, you know, almost like Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern feels like no matter how the schedule goes, you can always chalk up a win against Illinois <laughs> under Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, and and that definitely happened over the weekend. Not only did Northwestern win by 18 points, but they put up just some monstrous numbers uh, offensively, especially rushing the ball with both Cam Porter and Evan Hall running for over 140 yards on the ground. And I know over on Inside In You, you guys talked, uh, had an article specifically about Cam Porter kind of uh, asserting himself. Is this something that is a new addition to the office that might provide a different spark than what we've seen the rest of the season? Or was this kind of a blip against a rival who's not very good and, and might not be able to be replicated against quality competition? Well, like with most things, it's kind of like a combination of a lot of different factors. Uh, Cam Porter, and is, this is by far, I mean, you can look at his game log for, yeah. for sure. This is the most he's played all year, this last game against Illinois. He got in a few carries. I remember in their blowout winning against Maryland to start the season, he got in and people liked what they saw. But there was more, they, I feel like they went to Cam because Isaiah Bowser has just not had that good of a season. It's been it just hasn't really been there. You know, a lot of like two yard carries, one yard carries fumbles when they didn't want them. And then Drake Anderson, who's probably been a little better this season. The other main back fumbled right near their own goal line at the start of the game. And I mean, I don't know if it was a Woody Hayes, like if a running back fumbles, you got to sub him out kind of situation, but it kind of <laughs> felt like that. Yeah. Cause you didn't see the field much anymore. And then they switched to Porter, but I would definitely say that like, I don't, they're not going to run as much against Ohio state as they did against Illinois, obviously. And you can look back last year when one under one of the worst offenses in power five history that Northwestern had last year, they still gashed Illinois for, I think 300 yards on the ground with mm. back with, uh, he was like third string quarterback last year. And he's back up this year, Andrew Marty, who is very much a running quarterback. And they just gashed Illinois left and right. They played Coco Azima cornerbacks. At, ru at running back and he was gashing them <laughs> northwestern over the last five years has had a history of they can run the ball whenever they want to on illinois so i feel like if i had to like lean which, which was it more of i would definitely say that it was more northwestern kind of saying it's a rainy day we don't need a pass against these guys cam porter's playing well right now we're just gonna run this ball like crazy and destroy them which is exactly what happened so if you don't expect Northwestern to attempt to run the ball that much against Ohio State. That means you're going to be looking for uh, Peyton Ramsey to take a little bit more 
uh, a, a bulk of the offense than he did against Illinois. And I guess that really makes sense. Ohio State is not giving up a ton of yards on the ground, but their secondary has been uh, a bit suspect throughout the season. Granted, they've only played, I don't know, like a game and a half at this point uh, because of all of the COVID cancellations. Mm-hmm. But who who should Ohio State fans be worried about from a wide receiver perspective that Peyton Ramsey will be looking to connect with, especially deep because Ohio state's had most of its trouble um, on, on uh, longer passes where the safety might have to get involved underneath. They've been fairly decent, but who are the guys that Peyton Ramsey will probably be looking to for big completions on Saturday in Indianapolis? Well, first of all, you saying that worrying deep, like Northwestern does not throw deep and neither does okay, Peyton Ramsey. Gotcha. They, they are not. <laughs> and Peyton Ramsey is a very good quarterback. He is yeah. like, he's played know, well he, against Ohio state when he was at Indiana. Like he's, he's done well. The term game manager gets thrown around a lot, but he also is just like, he makes a lot of good plays. And I mean, we're kind of biased probably here covering Northwestern that after last year was such a disaster at the quarterback position, the fact that Payne Ramsey's like above, he's above average, even if it's a small <laughs> amount above average is yeah. like leaps and bounds better than whatever they had. And it's made such a big difference. Um in terms of like receipt, but yeah, they we track um we have an article that we do every week called Peyton's passes, looking at his passes, look at how many air yards they're traveling, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but there are very few traveling over thirty yards in the air. Most of his stuff is in between. It's either zero to ten yards in the air or ten to twenty yards in the air. He's very much intermediate and short passing, and he's pretty accurate in those. He's really good throwing on the run and. When he's doing that, he really likes to hit Ramad Chokio Bowman, known as RCB around here. Uh, tall receiver, athletic, has gotten a lot better just making those tough catches this year after he's kind of had this potential for this first three years of his career at Northwestern has kind of put it all together this year. They have Kyrick McGowan, who's a smaller receiver, but quicker, who they like to go to over the middle, like to hit him with some end of rounds, be, just try and get him out in space as one of their faster guys. And he also has John Rain at tight end, who has been just very solid all season, although he's probably cooled off after a very hot start. But you know, Northwestern's not – it's probably why Indiana gets a little more attention, like you were saying earlier, is because Indiana for the first half of the season had Michael Penix launching the ball yeah. deep, Ty Freifogel and Watt, Watt Filer and all those guys, whereas Northwestern was very much intermediate rollout passes to their guys. So, I mean, they can definitely move the ball through the air, and it's they're pretty successful. They're pretty efficient. It's just – they're, they are really not – they're not big playmakers. Gotcha. Big down-the-field passers. And that's really been the thing that's hurt Ohio State is is chunk plays. And they've not all necessarily been from deep passes. There have been some, some shorter things that have turned into longer gains. But that will be interesting to see uh, on that side of the ball. What's interesting for me on the other side of the ball is that, like I mentioned earlier, Pat Fitzgerald always has a stout defense, especially in the passing game this season. They are giving up only 192 yards passing, which is like 100 less than Ohio State is averaging on the season. Obviously, I don't think it would be a surprise to anybody to say that Ohio State's best player on either side of the ball is Justin Fields. But then you throw in wide receivers like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and that those three might be uh, you know one of the best offensive 
combinations in the conference. And I would argue if they'd gotten enough uh, opportunities to play this year, might have been one of the best in the country. How will the Northwestern defense try to limit Fields and Olave and Garrett Wilson and some of the other wide receivers who haven't had the opportunity to, to have a ton of catches yet this season? How will they try to limit the passing game for the Buckeyes on Saturday? Yeah, this is interesting. So, like, I was talking with Doug Maurice, who writes for Cleveland.com and is a Medill yeah. grad mm-hmm. the other other day, and we were talking about it. And he mentioned how, and I agree with him on this, um, that Ohio State's team last year was better than their team this year, just like if you lined up player yeah. for player, like yeah. probably more dominant NFL talent. And, but the main difference is that Ohio what still gives Ohio State like that same Ohio State aura, despite maybe not being as talented as last year's team is, the trio of Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, that those three with Fields tossing the ball to them can really do whatever they want to any mm-hmm. defense. And it's what gives them a chance against like other great teams like Alabama, because what if, should they get in the playoff is that they can keep up. Cause you, when you have three players of that caliber who are playing together, it's just really hard to stop. And Northwestern's defense has been, I mean, like you said, the secondary has been lights out all year. Greg Newsom is very fi- a very physical corner, uh, probably talks more than any corner you're going to find <laughs> to other players on the team. He's v- very confident, but uh, just, yeah, just a guy who's very hard to shake, like doesn't get beat a lot. Does it like there, you feel Northwestern's presence when you're playing against them as an offense. Cause it feels like they're just always, there's not a lot of place where you're breaking out into open space or like turning loose. They're yeah. always find a way to stay connected and I, I'm not sure exactly how they – I feel like Garrett Wilson will pose more of a problem than Chris Olave just due to his raw speed, like that Northwestern, while having some pretty talented athletes in the backfield, might not have – I mean, there are very few Ga- Garrett Wilson-level athletes on this planet. He's an incredible, like, vertical sprinter, so it's just going to be hard for them to keep up. Whereas Olave, it's, you know, it's, he's a good athlete too, but some probably more ball skills is what concerns Northwestern. So they – they're probably more equipped to deal with something like that. So I would say they're probably going to play like their trademark Ben don't break like mentality on defense and try to just keep Garrett Wilson in front of them. Not like him or Olave get out too far. They'll definitely probably focus more on them. They could have their safeties, J.R. Pace or Brandon Joseph kind of shadow over to them a lot and probably put more confidence in their linebackers, sending less help towards their front seven to try and stop the run game, which is, I, I'm guessing they're probably banking on the passing game for Ohio State being more dangerous than the running game. Yeah, no, that is uh, very true. Although, um, like Northwestern did against Illinois, Ohio State against Michigan State in their last game kind of saw um, a, a little bit of a surge in their running game, and they're hoping to carry that forward uh, as well. But um, I'm a little interested here because as we kind of look forward to this Big Ten championship game, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that uh, until the Big Ten decided to change their rules, Ohio State technically shouldn't have been a part of this game. And I wrote an article um, on Land Grant Holy Land saying that despite the fact that the rule was stupid and it they didn't have the forethought that a rule that determined who should be playing for your conference championship should have had, that the Big Ten shouldn't have changed the rule because they've screwed up everything this year. They shouldn't just be deciding willy-nilly to, uh, to make adjustments in season. But... They did. It's probably the fairest thing to do to Ohio State, and it's the best thing to do for the conference, probably. Um, 
But from the Northwestern perspective, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has been as gracious as he's always been. Even the Indiana you know, program has been very gracious about it. But I'm wondering from a fan perspective, is there um, – are there is, is anybody in Northwestern's fandom upset about it? Are they blaming the Big Ten for cheating, which I think is probably fair at this point? But what what's the the thought about Ohio State getting to uh, ignore the six game minimum to make the conference championship game? So this is going to be a long answer, but feel free. It was a it was a long winded question, too. So feel <laughs> free. Go ahead. And coming into it, you have to first understand, and this is something that's interesting about me. So I grew up an Ohio State fan, which is a long story, but I was a big Ohio State fan and not as much anymore, obviously, covering Northwestern. But my sense is that there are definitely some of the most diehard Northwestern fans. They are upset in the sense that they just really want to win. And you obviously think you have a better chance to win the Big Ten championship if you're playing against Indiana than if you're playing against Ohio State. And especially without Michael Penix. Yeah, it's basically like, you know, just the competitive side of you, like, man, I feel like we would have had a better shot. But everything about the Northwestern program, like Pat Fitzgerald, the team, the only message we've heard from them is that it seems like they're happy to be playing Ohio State. And I agree because I, I personally don't have a problem with Ohio State being in the Big Ten championship because I feel, I mean, there's no question they are at the moment the best team in the Big Ten. And it's more on just like, the rule was weird and probably shouldn't have been limited to that. And it's not a good look, but I ultimately don't think any, anyone getting worked up about a team that went five and zero and won four of their games very easily to make the big 10 championship. Like there are worse things than letting the best team in the conference play in the big 10 championship, even if it's, it was a weird rule they had to use for it. This whole year is weird. Anyways, if this is the closest thing they get to the best two teams in the conference championship, then that's how it is. But I, I think Northwestern, I think Pat Fitzgerald especially wants this challenge. That sure, yeah, yeah. If beating Indiana, like sure, it's a good Indiana's a good team even without Penix, and it, it doesn't mean nothing to go six to finish this year then seven and one and have that trophy and beat Indiana and beat all these good teams. But it's not the same as beating Ohio State because you really haven't climbed the mountaintop in the Big Ten until you beat Ohio State. This is something I'm actually writing about this week. Is how it's the one team in the Big Ten that Pat Fitzgerald has never beaten as a coach. And the last thing they did was in 2004 and that the 2004 Ohio state team was, uh, it was the re- rebuilding Ohio state team. It was one of the very few times in the last 20 years, Ohio state was pretty much just not set at every position. And of course, under Trestle, they were great. And ever since er- when Urban Meyer first came in in 2012 and then passed it off to Ryan day, they just constantly stepped up in overall talent and to the point where they're, they are the death star of the big 10. They are the team that wipes everybody out and Northwestern, if they really want to pull off this this whole miraculous shift that's happened with Northwestern football the last 25 years that started with Pat Fitzgerald's team in 1995 when he was a player, where they've gone from this, the academic school that always gets killed and is at the bottom of the Big Ten and worked their way up to a solid team into suddenly two division titles in three years, the, the last step is taking down the t- the team of the conference on the biggest stage possible, which is what they're getting a chance to do again. And I feel like it just like ultimately that win, no matter how much the win, a win versus Indiana might've been more likely and would still feel nice. It's not the same as just if they can somehow find a way to do this, the feeling is just, I mean, it's, it's automatically the greatest win in Northwestern history if they win this game. So I feel like they should, they're, I feel like if you had to like give people like a, 
life or death choice between playing them or what's ultimately better for Northwestern. I feel like it's just, this is the right thing to do. This is what is better for Northwestern. This is the real challenge. We'll get back to that challenge here in a second because I want to talk about the game uh, and what you see happening. But before we do, I want to take a a quick detour because you talked about uh, Coach Fitzgerald and how he kind of views things and how he um, has kind of imprinted his perspective not only on the Northwestern team but on the entire program and the fandom as well. Every year at this time, uh, other schools have openings. People always talk about, well, this might be the time that Pat Fitzgerald leaves Northwestern. I always roll my eyes and I I just don't see that ever happening, um, but I'm an outsider. Is there any thought inside and around the program that Pat Fitzgerald might leave to go somewhere else, whether that's, I mean, I you always hear his name being thrown around at Michigan, which I think is ridiculous, or in the NFL or something. Do you think that there's any chance of that actually happening, or is he the lifer that I just assume that he is? Well, it certainly had, has a greater chance of happening now that with the news breaking late yeah. last night that uh, yeah. Jim Phillips, athletic director at Northwestern, is now becoming the ACC's commissioner, which is huge news. Jim Phillips is a very good athletic director has done a lot for the university in his time here. So, I mean, ob- obviously they're not all the full details will come out from that. They're still, that's literally just, that's news. That's barely 12 hours old. So we'll see, but you know, whenever an athletic director leaves, that pro- probably means something who knows, but, and you know, Fitz, anyone who's considering hiring Fitzgerald as their head coach is doing, making a smart consideration because he's a fantastic yeah. coach, what he's done here. And people can like, argue about his X's and O's from times or how he's, I mean, he was criticized last year for keeping his offensive coordinator, Mick McCall around for too long and that how he had to let him go this off season after last year's disaster. But he's just, it's really incredible what he's done over these 15 years. So anyone can, it makes sense that his name gets thrown out a lot. Cause when you can do something at a place with less resources, like he has, you're always going to be thought of as that guy. Um, he got considered for the Packers job back when they hired Matt LaFleur and, that was yeah. the funny thing at a press conference this year, him saying that what it came down to is he, well, one thing it came down to was when he was first getting talk, talking to the Packers that he asked his sons at dinner one time and they just said, you can't take the job because we're bears fans. So, <laughs> and he said, I just shut it down from there. There was no more talk. So, I mean, I, I I'm like you in that I would probably, if I had to like bet on it, I would say that he stays and just stays for a long time. And he, he's honestly following I could think, He's following a similar path to Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Like, yeah. it's, you know, even the two two purple teams, I don't know. It's like I've always saw that parallel too. But um, the, the kind of that thing, just the guy who really – I don't think there's ever been someone who believes in Northwestern and what the school is about more than Pat Fitzgerald. Like, he lives for Northwestern, it feels like sometimes. Just yeah. how how much he's been committed to them how much he's tried to he's put his identity into the football program just his constant belief that no matter like what the perception is about them that they can do this so i like you i would bet that he is staying around for a long long time he obviously like first things first is he could do sort of like driving a truck straight through the athletic facility. Like he's not losing his job no matter what <laughs> happens. He is just, yeah. that he has lifetime security for everyone he wants. He is forever probably the savior of the football program. So he is, there's obviously Northwestern will keep him around as long as he wants to stay around. 
And I, I just get the feeling that he's really content staying around there. Yeah, I, I, that's what I would imagine happening, too. But I guess we will have to wait and see. And either way, even if he does stay around forever, like I feel like his name will still be thrown out there anytime that there's a, an opening that makes sense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's close this out with some talk about the game itself. If before you're going to make a prediction, because last year when you talked to Colton about the Ohio State Northwestern game, you were eerily accurate. Uh, So we're going to get to your prediction. But before we do, let's (laughs) say that Northwestern and Ohio State are within a one score game with like three minutes left. Who for Northwestern is going to have to have a great game on both sides of the ball? Someone on offense, someone on defense to make that opportunity for Northwestern to win the Big Ten championship game possible? Well, for defense, and first of all, if it's within a one-score game between Northwestern and Ohio State with that little time left, it'll be yeah. like 24 to 20. Like that, That's one thing I've been thinking about this whole time. If this score gets over 30 for Ohio State, or maybe definitely if it gets over 40, then Ohio State's winning the game. Northwestern is not scoring that much in this game. They. It, Northwestern has to find a way to keep it lower scoring however possible, which is hard against a team like as explosive as Ohio State. But that's the first thing. And because of that, I'm, I, I, I think that the defense really needs to find a way to just force a few turnovers. They need, they've relied on that all year after – I mean, last year their defense was still good for Northwestern, but they talked about all year they weren't forcing enough turnovers. They've been really great at that all season. Freshman safety Brandon Joseph has five picks on the year. It's one of the – league's uh, nation's best marks so i could definitely see him getting an interception if they're able to keep it that close he would have to he's been making big plays always at the right spot at the right time very good at getting his hands on the ball after deflections and then probably that what they call the irish law firm the three linebackers and chris chris bergen pat patty fisher blake gallagher all fantastic college players who have just been great all year They'll, they'll probably have to force a fumble or two or just make a few big plays. So I would say three turnovers is a good benchmark for like Northwestern to have to hit in this game, three turnovers forced. So probably that though, that back set seven of the linebackers plus the secondary, the real strength of this defense and their defensive line is fine. It's just not as good as their linebackers in secondary. It's really those guys making plays, finding ways to get stops, finding ways to get off the field and let their offense control the clock are kind of the ways Northwestern can hold Ohio State's offense in check. And then for Northwestern's offense on the other side of the ball, really the one that matters is Peyton Ramsey has to play the game of his life. If if they're going to do this, it needs to be the defense finds a way to 
make Justin Fields play one of his worst games and Peyton Ramsey has to play the game of his life. He has to, and that probably doesn't even mean just throwing it downfield, but which has been Ohio state's weakness. Like he just needs to not miss those intermediates, which he's very good at hitting those intermediate routes, hitting those rollout passes, hitting everything he needs to, but there can't be like any misses in this game. He really just has to ball out if they want a chance in this. So I would say just Peyton Ramsey, obviously the key to their offense, finding a way to, keep up with Ohio state and those linebackers plus guys in the secondary, like Brandon Joseph and Greg Newsom finding a way to just force Ohio state down, like force them under 30 points, whatever way you can. Okay. So that's your thought. If Northwestern is in a one score game with time running down, what do you think actually happens? Is that the script that you see playing out on Saturday or do you see something a little different? Is this like kind of asking for my prediction? Or? I mean, yeah, it's asking. Last year, <laughs> okay. last year, the Ohio State Northwestern game, uh, the final score was Don't. fifty-two to three. <laughs> Your prediction was what now? Fifty-two to seven. I I was a little too optimistic. Okay, yeah. So you gave Northwestern a touchdown. They only got a field goal. So it was very very accurate when you talked to Colton about last year's game. So I told you before, and I wouldn't put you on the spot to pick a game if you to pick the game if you didn't want to, but. Given your track record, I, I do agree that it almost feels like a necessity uh, after last year. Yeah, so again, I think Northwestern's obviously a better team than they were last year. And as I said earlier, Ohio State, while still an incredible football team, is probably worse player. If you go down the starting 22 player by player, just a little bit worse overall than last last year. So obviously it's probably going to be a closer game. I think Northwestern, they're not going to get embarrassed. I I'm generally a pretty pessimistic person where, whereas some other people like probably on our staff are think, thinking of ways that Northwestern keeps in this game. I'm just thinking of how they can keep up with a team like Ohio state where it's just, it, it's it really, you have to see it in person. I mean, you obviously know this as someone who writes about Ohio state, the guys on their team move at different speeds than most people do. And you just really see it in person and understand what's going on. I, I think Northwestern, their offense, they usually get in around the 20s. I think they'll be able to do that today. And I think, I don't think the Ohio State offense is going to go crazy, but I do think they'll score enough to basically put them away. I think I would go at the moment. I might change this when I, if I, we have to give like our staff predictions and a post at the end of the week. Yeah, this is being recorded on Monday, just so everybody knows for context. At the moment, Given, yeah, like if, like if Justin Fields gets test positive, this all goes out the window, yeah. <laughs> then I have a completely different prediction. Yeah. But, um, um, I would say at the moment, pro- I'm probably thinking Ohio State 42, Northwestern 24. Maybe Northwestern can get to like 28, maybe like a little more like that. But 42, 24 is where I'm thinking right now. Just, you know. A, a win for Ohio State, a pretty solid win, but not not a beatdown in any sense. No, I mean, and in, in Northwestern at this point is a, I mean, it's, again, this is on Monday, so we don't have the the latest college uh, football playoff rankings, but they'll probably assume, I assume, be in the top uh, fifteen um, when that's all said and done, depending on what the college football committee does, and I can never understand their rhyme or reason, but that would be a great win for Ohio State, a double digit win wins the conference title against the top 15 team that helps Ohio state's cause to get into the college football playoff this year, despite what Dabo and, and Mullen want to want to politic for out there. But anyway, I, I will make a prediction uh, on our Saturday podcast. I don't know where I'm going to go at this point. Um, I would agree that I think Ohio state will win, um, but I need to think a little bit more about how, 
strong Northwestern's defenses compared to Ohio State's offense. And we just don't have a ton of opportunities to have seen Ohio State against quality defenses this year. And that's what makes this such a weird game and a weird postseason because we just don't know. Ohio State has played one good team and they were up 35-7 in the third quarter and let them back. So it's it's very hard to judge Ohio State uh, when they're playing good teams like Northwestern. So uh, I agree that I'll go ahead and say Ohio State's going to win, but I, I'm with you in needing a little bit more time to have my final, final prediction uh, mm. later this week. But uh, anyway, any last parting words that you think about what might be important to watch for Northwestern uh, on Saturday? Anything that you think uh, might stick out for somebody who hasn't watched them at all this year so far? I mean, they play the game with a lot of energy. They Really, that's what made the Michigan State loss so surprising for Northwesterners. It felt like they came out kind of flat in that game, whereas all their other games this year, it's been it's just been so clear. I, I try and think about this a lot. You know, you're just playing like these are just random thoughts that go through your head, even though there's not a lot of concrete evidence to put them together. Just yeah. the, after a year that went so poorly last year, and, and trust me, last year was just dismal for Northwestern, <laughs> how bad the offense was. They almost had something called like no touchdown November. It was just really bad what was going on with their offense and how they just couldn't seem to get anything going right. But turning around from that to this, where you're six and one and you're a step away from like if Northwestern pulls this off, like I've, I've tried to also think about what scenario do they still get into the playoff if they somehow pulled it <laughs> off? But they'll need some help, uh, but it's possible. Yeah. And just ha- that turnaround that. Northwestern's been very excited about this year, all year. That, that you're going to get so much buy-in from a group of guys when they, when they know what was going on last year wasn't working, and then you do something different with with a new offensive coordinator, with a new emphasis, with a new quarterback. They have so much buy-in right now to what they are doing because they know what the other what the opposite is. When they did what they did last year, it's like the lowest of the low. But then they do what they did this year, which is completely different. And suddenly there, everyone is buying in. Everyone believes in what's going on there. So you have a team that really thinks that they are doing the best they can. There's no like questioning like, oh, maybe we should be doing this. Maybe we should be playing this guy. You know, you know does that make sense? Like yeah. they, oh, yeah. they kind of understand that this is the way they have to do it. They Because they were so bad last year and they've been so much better this year, they know that this is how they have to win. This is the best version of themselves. They trust that their coaches are putting them in the best positions. And then they play the game with a lot of joy. Yeah. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. Anytime Ohio State can get on the field this season, um, I'm excited about, although I am also nervous and apprehensive and uncomfortable with. So it's been a very (laughs) weird season, and I do not expect the Big Ten Championship game to be any different. I expect something weird to happen uh, on Saturday at noon, which is another weird thing where the big 10 championship game is not played in pride time that angered Northwestern fans, the noon kickoff more really? than any, the Ohio state. Oh, they fully believe this only the kickoff is only happening at noon because it Northwestern is in it. That if, if Wisconsin had made the big 10 championship, it would still be in prime time. Really? You think so? Why is that? Just because they, they, you think that Fox doesn't value uh, Northwestern fan eyeballs as much as Wisconsin's. Well, that, but also it, it's kind of like a running joke about 11 a.m. games in Evanston. Like, uh, you know, all the Northwestern alumni, like the players joking online that the team should already be used to playing and no fans at 11 a.m. <laughs> in Evanston, Illinois. That, Fair. that basically that 
Northwestern isn't good enough for primetime, you know, just like kind of that underdog mentality that probably runs throughout the whole fan base and thinking that, you know, I'm just telling you, I, I know it's weird, but it really did. That no. angered them probably more than anything. No, look, you are talking to somebody who deals with uh, all of the Ohio State fan uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy theories about how all of the networks and everybody hates Ohio State, which is ludicrous because they are the largest ratings grabber in college football. So no one hates Ohio State and it's ridiculous that anybody says they do. So I am totally here with you to understand why people have animosity against networks, whether that's warranted or not. Um, I will not take a stance on whether this is warranted for Northwestern fans. I'll let y'all decide that uh, <laughs> on your own. But, um, you know, it, it is weird. Like, I understand that Fox's big game every week is at noon. So that's why Ohio State plays a lot of noon games and has for the last couple of years once Fox got the uh, the first bid rights to uh, to the Big Ten. But it's uh, uh, it is weird to know that the Big Ten championship game will be over by about four o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, maybe it'll be over by three if Northwestern does control the ball. Not a lot of incomplete <laughs> passes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to Daniel. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan underscore Olinger, and you can follow Inside in You at Inside in You. If you're finding this episode on our LandGrantHolyLand.com website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are mostly releasing a podcast episode every single day of the college football season, and we will definitely be committing to doing that. As the postseason rolls forward, you will find vastly different focuses and perspectives in every single episode. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.